a Motorsport Podcast Network production. G'day everybody, Aaron Noonan here. Great to have you with me again for another episode of the V8 Sleuth Podcast powered by Repco. My guest this week on the podcast is a guy who we have had on the podcast before. Dick Johnson, of course, is the three-time Bathurst 1000 winner, five-time Australian touring car champ, squillion-time Queensland touring car champion, and Queensland cultural icon. Uh, You might think, hang on a minute, you've talked to him before. We've heard this one before. No, 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 no. Different episode, same guys. In 2019, we spoke with Dick uh, in uh, in his office, actually, at DJR. Uh, or DJR Team Penske, as it was then, uh, while we were researching the history of the cars for our DJR car history book. This time, though, Dick and I focused pretty much just on Bathurst. So highlights, lowlights, everything in between lights, uh, all sorts of stuff along the journey of his amazing association and career with the mountain and the great race that, well, it's normally every October, but this year, of course, it's early December. Listen out to in this podcast too because we've got the details of an awesome competition from Repco. You could win a DJR Ford Mustang road car. It is a serious bit of kit and all the details are in the podcast. So here we go. Buckle up. Time to start. Dick Johnson on the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco. Dick Johnson, been a little while since we've uh, seen you, my friend. Two years since we did the podcast chat. We did the cars book last year. COVID and all that crap means we're talking through a computer, but we're going to be seeing you in person somewhere sometime soon, mate. But uh, how are you travelling? Good to see you, mate. I'm, I'm, mate, two years later, I'm still the same. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's good, mate. It's very good. Um, the other thing that springs to mind here, and we're going to talk a bunch of Bathurst memories because we're, we're on the lead up to Repco Bathurst 1000 for December, which sounds a bit strange to say that, but I'm, I'm stoked that well, we've we, got a Bathurst. We've been, we've been later in the year before. Yeah, true. We've had a few Novembers over yeah, the journey, didn't we? And it's going to it's going to it's going to test some of the drivers. I can tell you, mate. We'll see who's been exercising in a sauna because yeah. it, it gets pretty hot around there in, in December. I can tell you. Uh, I reckon I'll uh, I'll pack the shorts more than the pants for uh, yeah. for Bathurst this year. But it's sprung to. We're going to talk a bit about Bathurst and, and obviously some of the, the great moments. And you've probably talked ad nauseum at them over the the years. But there, there's so many things that I know the fans this time of year love to talk about. But it's 40 years, mate, since that first win in 81 in the, the True Blue XD. Time, time's flowing. What's going on? Oh, mate, 40 years ago, my goodness. I, on the 5th of uh, October, I gave Frenchie a ring and I said, uh, listen, mate, I said, do you know what happened 40 years ago today? And he said, no, what? I said, we won Bathurst. And he said, you're kidding. And I said, no, I'm serious. Like, and he's now 91. He's a, he's a weapon, isn't he? He's a ripper. He's just a brilliant, brilliant guy. So the way that it rolls in 2021, obviously we've got a bit of a weird build-up to Bathurst this year with all the racing in Sydney, which is great that we're going to get some racing going again. But take me back to 81. I mean, you've got a, a fully huge workshop there with lots of people prepping two cars and um, marketing staff and all the other bits and pieces. There's a, a pile of people there, but in 81, how many people did you have to get that car ready to go up to Bathurst to win that race? I had one full-time guy, which was Roy McDonald, who was with me, had been with me since, uh, gee, around about uh, 1967. And Roy Boy retired a few years back now. And uh, and he was the, the one and only team member that, that was, you know, a part of the uh, paid team, shall we say, and, and a mate of mine, Leon, and, uh, and my brother, and we were the ones that put the whole thing together. And 
obviously we had a few guys that that uh, we'd take down to Bathurst to be able to do the pit stops and things like that, and uh, and sort of do you know bits and pieces around the way. But it was you know it was a very very much a family orientated thing, which it still is today, but uh, at a much different level. So you were driving, you were helping prep the car. Were you wheeling and dealing oh, was, sponsors was, and all that stuff, or what was going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, I, I was it, you know. And and Julie, she used to because it was in the garage at home at uh, Daisy Hill, where we'd prep the car and everything like that. And uh, we'd work till probably 11, uh, 12 o'clock at night, and we'd be back there at six o'clock in the morning. And and uh, Julie used to come and bring down all the food for all the boys. She'd cook uh, dinner for everyone, and we'd sit down and have dinner and. And probably 11.30, we'd uh, open a couple of cans of beer and and then go and crash into bed for a few hours and come back the next morning. But, yeah, just it was just a real good bunch of people we had. Were there any mistakes made because of the bleary eyes or too many beverages at 11.30 at night? Anything that no, was left not quite done? No, no, no we're, we're talking, you know, A, beer, possibly nothing, nothing more than that. And because uh, I used to build all the engines and gearboxes and stuff like that and, and uh, obviously, Roy and I were, used to prep the car and, and actually built the car. I was going to say, Will and Anton, no chance of those boys prepping and running and building anything of their own for, <laughs> for Bathurst this year. They need all the help they can get those two with. Uh, I'm not sure that they've got the most mechanical skills that would help them with the modern-day supercar bloke being able to prep their own car and get it ready for the big one. Well, that's that's what used to help me an awful lot, being, being able to know um, what – what, what I could do with the car and what you couldn't because I understood exactly what was going on. And, and that's probably what uh, the, the, some of the drivers that today uh, lack a little bit is, uh, shall we call it mechanical sympathy, if you know what I mean. But well, yes. those cars, they're going back in the true blue days and things like that with the XD and the XE, you know, they, they, they were hotted up road cars where the cars today are totally different, they're purpose built. But at the end of the day, when you have a look at it and say, well, you know, the, these things which, you know, on every other day of the week are a taxi and we we want to go and run a 1,000 kilometres around Bathurst flat out, well, it, it doesn't quite work that way. You've got to be, you know, very kind to the equipment. Yeah, there's some who were better at it than, than others back in those days. But you talked about hotted up road cars and one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to you and talk about the 40th anniversary of your, your first Bathurst win is that there's a really cool comp with our mates at Repco <laughs> who are actually giving away a DJR 40th anniversary Mustang. Correct. It's been developed and tuned by your good mate, Rob Herod, who's done so many cool cars over the years. It's, it's valued at 140000 I was 180 for our Kiwi yep. friends, uh, including the on-road costs. Give us a quick take. I'll, I'll tell our listeners how they can get involved in this comp soon, but give us the quick take on what this car is that someone's going to win because it is a pretty special bit of kit. It is It is a very special bit of kit. I can assure you, Nunes, it's, it's a supercharged Coyote V8, which the, the, the Mustang comes with a Coyote engine in it, and it's got uh, just over 600 horsepower, so it's no slouch, I could tell you. Um, and... Uh, and a lot of other little bits and pieces that uh, you know the, the Herod Robbie Herod does to these things, which uh, is makes it a very very unique piece of, piece of equipment. And uh, I'm proud to say that uh, to, to have our name on something like that, uh, Robbie built some really really good cars, and he's done some good cars with like limited editions for us in the past, and and they've been extremely successful. And and I think this will be a special one. What other features has this thing got that people are going to really, well, really enjoy? Well, let's put it this way. 
This particular car, the colour of it, which is a, a special blue, it is the only one of that colour that will ever be produced because it was a, it's a special colour and nobody else's, the later model cars won't have that colour on them at all. So it's a, it's a one-off. It's very much a, a one-off and it's going to be able to be won by a fan. So the synergy here is perfect because it's the 40th anniversary of your um, your first Bathurst win. It's blue, as the true blue car was. Okay, it's not a Falcon Mustang. That's the current no. thing that's that's being run. Um, it's a competition that's going to run right throughout the month of November leading up to the Repco Bathurst 1000 at the Mountain. It's going to be drawn on the 2nd of December and it'll be announced the winner at that stage as well. Who's going to win this very limited edition Mustang? The way you can do it, we'll, we'll give our listeners the quick take – you can uh, register with the garage, of course, Repco's website that's got all sorts of cool automotive and, and motorsport content. So that's repco.com.au forward slash the garage. Join up there. Uh, there's a bunch of Dick Johnson memorable Bathurst moments. Pick your favourite one. Um, you can't vote on this, by the way. You can't keep going in there and picking all your favourite moments from over the over the past. So once you edit your details there, you get an entry into the comp. And if you're a Repco Ignition member, um, for every $30 you spend in-store or online, you'll get an entry into the comp. So there's plenty of good ways to enter to really not do much to win a pretty awesome bit of kit worth about 150 grand. It's a, it's an awesome bit of kit, all right, and uh, and I'm sort of really looking forward to uh, to being part of the promotion for it because it's it's something that God damn, I wish I had the opportunity of winning something like that. <laughs> well, there's only one, mate. Sorry, we can't go and yeah. get you a, another one. Sorry, you you you've, you got yourself in a corner there. There's it's one only. We can't have two. Yeah. That's just. How it's got to be, how it's got to be. The fans are going to get to vote on some of your uh, big moments at Bathurst over the years on the Garage website to be able to get themselves into the draw to win this car. Obviously, the wins are the the, the moments that really stick out to, to everyone and, of course, to yourself. There's three of them along the way. There's the, the rock and the tree and all the other bits and pieces <laughs> along the way. But were there any races over the years at Bathurst that, or results that might not have been a win but they were very satisfying because you had to fight your way through. It was a result against the odds or you did the best you could do with what you had that day. Are there, are there any of those other races that kind of might not pop up in that list that are special to you? Well, Noons, you've only got to say 92 would have been pretty special, wouldn't it? Eh? <laughs> uh, in the weather we had and everything, I think um, it, it was a pretty special day, I think, to, to be able to win Bathurst. But um, when you have these memories, when you know damn well um, – Especially 89, to me, would have been probably the most perfect Bathurst we had because we had so many different elements to that event where, um, and I know it wasn't in a Falcon, it was in the Sierra, but um, we, we had led every single lap of the race, uh, even during pit stops, and uh, it was just very gratifying to, uh, and, and as I said to everyone about that event, that I don't think we've ever run such a perfect Bathurst with the team. You know, it's all about the people you've got with you, that we made the right decisions at the right time, put the right tyres on at the right time, everything like that, and it paid off in the end. With the, the 89 win, the the race was, I mean, you led, I think, you'd led across the line every lap. Brock led the first half of the first lap, but you blew him away down Conrod Strait, and you and JV carried on and kept on rolling on to to win that one. The 92 one was the one with all the rain and the drama and the, the four-wheel drive Nissans you're up against, and poor Denny Holm passed away that day too to to make that one a, a strange, difficult yeah, day for, for so many people as well. One of the other things that's really interesting 
the the vision and the commentary of those moments and those wins, the rock and the trees and the winds and the poles, they're burnt in everyone's memory bank. But there's a bit of there's a couple of your great moments that we just don't have vision of because you you put the falcon through the trees, so there's no in car because someone forgot to press the button to record Charlie. it. His name was Charlie. I remember he was <laughs> he was the camera operator in the OB van, mate, and he, he stood there with the joystick and and uh, he un, unfortunately forgot to push record. Would have been some of the most famous in car vision ever captured and knocked Peter Williamson off his tree for the uh, for the in car chat. But the other one I remember too is: Do you remember in '94 when JB was obviously fighting Lowndes, <laughs> and and there's no vision from inside his car for special reason? Do you remember why? <laughs> he was having a bit of a moment, I think. <laughs> but he, um, well, we can't disclose anything about JB, mate. You know he's very, <laughs> but. Uh, well, oh, well, the God. camera the camera had gone completely bananas and just kept spinning around and around and around and around and around. Yeah. Well, I don't know why that happened. It was obviously a technical glitch somewhere, but um, I'll never forget getting on the radio to JB towards the end of that race when Lounge was sort of hunting him down and actually passed him in uh, into turn two at uh, the top of uh, Mountain Straight there. And, uh, and I got on the radio to him and I said, JB... This, this is a kid you're playing with here. Like, you're not going to get the famous John Bow is going to get beaten by a kid. You've got to be kidding, mate. Get your finger out. And uh, that's fortunately when uh, when he, he actually uh, blew him off down, um, I think it was pit straight there into, into turn one. What, the, I'll always remember that vision of you standing on the pit wall uh, as he roared on by to, to get that win. It just worked out in a weird way, and I'm sure you don't care because you got you, you won the race and it was all about the team, but you weren't in the car to take the chequered flag in any of your Bathurst wins, but you don't you don't really worry about that, do you? No, it's not about that. It's about the team. It's You've you got to put your best foot forward at the right time and things like that. And, I, and the race, the start of the race was wet, and, and JB was nowhere to be found. He, he disappeared, he thought, and, and Ross Stone said, I've got to find JB because, you know, he, he, Dick wants him to start the race. I said, yeah, of course I do, you know, because that's his forte doing this. And uh, so that's how that started. And and we found him. He was locked himself in, in, in one of those uh, portaloos out the back somewhere. So, but we sorted that out and he got in the car and, and did what JB always does, a fantastic job. It worked out right in the end. So he started and he finished. Uh, he started in the wet finished in the dry and managed to overcome some snotty-nosed kid called Lowndes who uh, threatened to upstage him there along the way. But uh, what was um, what was the first time, obviously everyone remembers your Bathurst starts in the great race, but what's the first time you ever went there? Did you go as a punter to an Easter meeting or, or something like that when you were a younger bloke? I think, yeah, like 1964, uh, we used to sit up on the hill. We'd drive down on Friday night. We'd sleep in the car over the weekend and drive back Sunday night and start work again on Monday morning. So after work Friday, we'd head off and get down to Bathurst. And, yeah, it was every every single year, mate. But that's, the only time I've ever missed Bathurst was uh, last year because of the COVID thing. That was mm. the only time I've missed it since 64 or whenever it first started. I think for many people who missed last year, it's kind of – I don't think we counted as breaking everybody's streak because it broke everyone's streak. So I think it's an asterisk year and everyone can keep their streak going this year. He's probably yeah. a, one would hope. Mate. Yeah, it all that's... depends on on Pelletruk up here to see if we uh, we get yeah. to the point where we can get back in. You know, that's the biggest yeah. problem. 
No, two years in a row at Bathurst without Dick Johnson can't be the uh, can't be the way to go. Wasn't there a year two where um, the big crash was at sixty nine at the top of the mountain where all the cars just started ploughing into one another <coughs> on the first lap and uh, you were over the fence there helping your mate French. He sort himself out. Yeah, he was in an alpha and and I was Tilly and I were with his wife uh, uh, Mari Mari French and and uh, we were sort of standing uh, oh, just up from the. Dipper, the corner before the Dipper, and uh, after they come over Skyline, and uh, and we saw this car come over the Skyline upside down. I said, "Gee, this is going to be interesting." And, and sure enough, there's cars going everywhere, and and uh, Frenchy ended up on his lid with this, and all I saw was all this red stuff running out of the car. And I'm like, "God damn!" Like, see, he's got to be hurt or something. So I leapt over the fence, uh, over the fence to drag him out of the car. And it, then realised it was only the uh, the coolant was in the radiator of the Alpha that was that was sort of running out of the car. So uh, fortunately, Frenchie was fine. That's taking audience participation to, to new extremes, oh, <laughs> new levels. Exactly. You imagine what his wife was feeling like while she was standing there watching all this transpire. You know, so. Yeah, thankfully uh, things have come a bit further uh, in uh, safety and equipment and roll cages and trackside stuff and, and all that stuff. But back in those days, mate, you look at the vision, uh, even the development from when the place was first opened to when the enduro in the 60s started, yep. it, it got a lot better. But even 60s to now, it's just yeah. scary to think that you could have one little mistake and you were off the edge. Well, I remember John Roxborough ended up, um, be, before he dropped over McPhillamy, had it coming together with a car, and he, he ended up rolling down over to the inside and ended up rolling down into the, into the winery, way the hell down that hill. I, I reckon he must have rolled about 50 times. <laughs> amazing. And then Tony Roberts, who came over Skyline and ran out of brakes, went straight ahead uh, just before the dipper, over the fence and into the trees. Like you think I've been in the trees. A few guys have been in the trees at Bathurst. Like, yeah, you're not the only one. You did have a good crack at it, but you weren't the only one who uh, <laughs> had a go at that over the year. Well, that was only because of the the so-called safety equipment that was there, you know, which I thought was pretty average. Uh, the safety equipment there was at the end of the wall coming out of Forest Elbow that there was a bunch of tyres which were there for people coming up the other way every other day of the year. And uh, and trouble is that they were full of concrete. So um, I sort of, you know, you touch the wall when you sort of, Every having to qualify, you was using every bit of the road and some. And, and uh, when I got to the end of the wall, it just grabbed hold of the front wheel and broke the uh, broke the tie rod off. And then it landed on that wheel and headed into the bush. And I thought, yeah, I could be in trouble here. And it, fortunately, uh, the car was a bit secondhand, but I was fine. Yeah, yeah, we're a very lucky chap to get out of that one. That's extremely that's lucky. Sure. Mate. Extremely. I got a fee- I got a feeling that might pop up in the list of Dick Johnson moments on the Garage website that fans can vote on to win that 40th anniversary Ford Mustang. Got a funny feeling it's a bit hard to leave that one out when you do uh, DJ classic Bathurst moments because it sort of stands up there and and stands out there. But, I mean, for all the years you've been around and and you've been stopped in the street, in service stations, airports, you name it, what's the biggest topic that you get asked about or people re- retell back to you the most? Is it the rock? Is it the trees? Is it winning Bathurst? What's the thing that most of all people come back to you with? Well, the, the rock was a pretty big thing because, you know, um, even, even a policeman at one stage when we were driving back from 
Roy and I in the truck, because we used to drive the truck. We'd live in the truck going to the, the race meetings in the 80s. And, and uh, anyway, Roy and I were coming back um, through Holbrook um, on, on the Hume Highway there, and, and uh, we went through this radar trap that I didn't know it was a radar trap, and this policeman jumped out in front of me and waved me down the thing. The brakes went all that flash on the old F truck with the with the, the van on the back, and and I stopped about 400, 500 metres down the road, and, and uh, anyway, I sat there, and, and uh, nobody turned up, and I said, oh, Roy, they, they must have been waving at somebody else. So... Um, I just stuck it into gear and took off. Well, you know, <laughs> about 10 k's down the road, there's a there's a police car coming in the opposite direction with lights flashing and all sorts of things going, and and he swings around and then pulls us over, and, and uh, he uh, he he comes up and he said, you know, that you went through a uh, you went through a radar trap there and you were speeding. I said, no, I didn't believe that. So he said, I'm going uh, to radio back and see what speed you were doing. So he radios back and obviously the speed I was doing was a bit much for this young bloke to handle. And he said, gee, Sarge, you better come up here and handle that one. Well, Roy and I are sitting in the truck absolutely, you know, think we're going to be in jail here, mate, because neither of us had a licence anyway. Oh. An articulated licence. We had, you know, our car licence. but And... Uh, and anyway, as this policeman sort of rocks up about 15 minutes later and, and I always got the habit of jumping out and, and sort of meeting them along the way. And this policeman said, Dickie Johnson, eh? he said, I thought it might have been you. He said, you know, he said, I gave you 10 bucks after Bathurst last year. And I said, what are you trying to do, take it back off me? <laughs> and, and as it turns out, mate, we, we had a great conversation and he sent us on our way. He said, you better get your mate to drive. And poor old Roy's absolutely cacking himself because he didn't have a licence either for the articulated vehicle that we were driving. So, But we 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 got to Warren Park because we were headed to Warren Park after being at Calder. And, uh, and as it turns out, um, uh, the guy at the end of pit lane, the paddle pop man at the end of pit lane, he was one of the uh, driving... Uh, driving instructors, or should I say, licensed men, that uh, from Camden, and we went down Monday morning and got our license. So, <laughs> so being Dick Johnson does get you out of a few bits of trouble along the journey. Look, you know, I don't do anything stupid, but yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate over a number of years, and you know, touch wood, mate. I've to this day still haven't lost my license. Good man, nice effort. Well played. Yeah. Well played. Um, we talked about the 40th anniversary and the, the 81, the, the Mustang that's up for grabs for the for the competition during the month of November. That true blue car, why did you go blue? Was it purely because it was the sponsor that drove it that way or was it a, a Ford because it was a Ford or it all just clicked together that it ended up that way? Well, Ross Palmer from Palmer Tubules, as you know, he was, he was um, marketing this product called True Blue Steel and uh, – and it was painted blue because originally um, all that RHS square tubing was all just black or oily and that, and you'd get you'd filthy trying to handle the stuff and everything. And, and so uh, he, he uh, created this program where the stuff would be cleaned and then painted online as it came off, and it, uh, it was what they call true blue. And uh, it was a marketing campaign that was extremely successful for him and, 
and that it can, continued on to the green stuff and, and red rue and all the other stuff that went with it. So uh, that's how it was blue. Simple as that. Pretty simple story, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, 81, when you win Bathurst, is there a big party back in the day after it or did everyone just pack up and go home and move on to the next scene? Well, back in the day, as you say, uh, Bathurst, was the, that was the end of the year. That was the, the finale of everything motorsport in, uh, in Australia, really, as far as touring cars go. You know, you'd have the championship um, where they'd have the, the touring car championship series and then they'd go into what they call the endurance series, which was a, a couple of longer races with Sandown, Bathurst, and uh, I think another one at Oran Park. You know, so that's where it was sort of, and Surface Paradise, of course. You know, and l- later in the in the time, we used to have Surface Paradise later in the year. These days, I mean, it's different this year because Bathurst is the last round. In the past, it's kind of nearly the last round, but we've nearly still got, last. yeah, we've still got a Gold Coast and a Newcastle or whatever else we've had at the yep. back end of a year. So. New Zealand. And it's, yeah, it's just the way of uh, that everything's evolved, that they pack the tracks up, they pack the gear in, and everyone heads on down the road and goes back to home base and gets ready for the next one. Whereas, as you said, like it was kind of the end of it, so I, there was a bit more of an opportunity for everyone to stop and decompress for a, for a night with a couple of beverages. And uh, was, was it more pally back then between the teams oh, when absolutely. the race was off? The, the It was... You know, the, the swords were down and, all right, we'll go and have a beer with, you know, whether it was Brock's team or the Nissan team or whoever it was. Correct. You know, after after all the races, you know, we'd sort of get together and, and go to places like, you know, we'd go to a, um, like a nightclub of some, well, you know, what they call a nightclub because all those guys uh, used to be uh, sort of motor racing fans and they'd say, oh, we'll come and have a drink at our place and all that. So, you know, Brock would and I would and, Quite a number of the other guys, you know, Grice and them, that all rock up to a to a uh, to a nightclub type joint and and have a few drinks. But but Bathurst, you know, as I say, was virtually the last race of the year. And now the one thing with Frenchie, because the XD and the XE had this really deep console, and Frenchie was always good on the tooth. You know, he, he loved eating, and he he'd make these little Vegemite sandwiches and and some. Uh, quarts of oranges and stuff like that, and he'd put them in the console. And uh, while he's coming down Conrod and that, he'd grab one out and have a bit of a chew and, and have a Vegemite sandwich and, a, and a, a quart of an orange or something like that just to keep him motivated. And, and um, the, the, the reason that I knew how much stuff he used to put in there is because we'd probably pack the car up after Bathurst and we'd leave it in the truck for a few days and then chuck it in the garage and come back in a couple of weeks and, Start sort of looking at what we're going to do, and and uh, I think, what's that stink? God damn! Yeah, it was Frenchy's Frenchy's food that he had in the in the console of the car. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people think they've heard that story over the years about Frenchy and his food that it's all pulling people's legs, but it's absolutely oh, it's legit. That's it's what he true. did. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, probably should clear it out at the end of each race as part of the service to the team, I would have thought. But <laughs> Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego the number two, and oil, and find out. 
we've talked about some of the the big ticket moments and cars and wins and stuff. They'll be in these moments on the garage website that fans can vote on to uh, get their entry into to win this 40th anniversary Mustang. But I mean, we can't talk about that 81 win and the amazing way that you know you won that race with a car that was kind of the people's car because of the people that put their money up after the year before and. It's a story that we'll never see again. There'll be never anything come close to anything like that. It's a it's a really special place in history. I think that's why people so feel, you know, that you've got a lot of fans and a lot of love out there, but people feel really strongly connected to that particular win 40 years ago because they they all had a little bit of a part in, in playing to that. Well, it's just the motivation that we had. You know, like, I don't think there was any other year in motorsport where I felt as much pressure after what had happened in 1980 with uh, everyone sort of, a lot of people, you know, donating money and stuff to me to, uh, to keep the thing going and, and get up and running again for the following year. And uh, 1981 for me was one hell of a year as far as pressure goes and, and uh, even to the point where we, Brocky and I, went into Lakeside, which was the final round of the Touring Car Championship, and uh, we were separated by one point. And whoever beat who was going to be the champion. And and uh, I don't think I've ever seen a crowd at Lakeside like that ever since. It was just amazing. Uh, we never got out of there till 11 o'clock at night. It just took so long to get out of the place. But um, And unfortunately for me, Lakeside was, without a doubt, one of my most favourite, favourite, still is today, racetracks. And... Uh, on about lap three, it broke a front sway bar, so it wasn't exactly the best car that we'd driven, but it was just the support we had from all those people that uh, wouldn't let me, look, would, dead, dead set wouldn't let me sort of say, no, you know, I, I can't give up, I've got to keep going. If everyone who's come up to you over the 40 years since, who's told you that they stuck in and sent you some money, I reckon if you did the sums... I reckon it would add up to far more money that was actually donated. I reckon there's probably a few people who've put a bit of extra sauce on that over the years. <laughs> probably, but at the end of the day, you know, I was always very appreciative of those people and and I told them that uh, their investment was spent very wisely, I can assure you. But it, it really was heartwarming to see that even some of the kids would empty their little money boxes and things like that. It was just and, – and the letters, I still got all the letters today, mate, so – yeah, pretty special. I've seen photos from um, you with these letters. I think it might have been at Channel 7's offices even. Uh, yep. And they, and it's not just a box. They, there were literally stacks and piles to the point where they were filling shopping trolleys full of mail. It was unbelievable. It was. And at Daisy Hill, I used to have, the, you know, obviously everyone's got a letterbox, but I used to have the uh, the 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 PMG van was then, they used to back up to my front door and give me these big canvas bags full of full of letters, which was just amazing. <laughs> these days, email makes life so much quicker. It's... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's for you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that is... In uh... some ways. Only in yeah, some yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. Technology has made some things better and, and it's made some things worse over the course of, uh, <laughs> of the journey as well. Um 
Bathurst this year, mate, obviously um, it's a bit different to how we've had it in the past, but it actually takes me back a little bit, and I want to talk to you about this because everyone's made a big deal about how it's going to be six days this year and it's going to start on Tuesday and there's all the, the other categories that are going to be running there, the S5000s and TCM and, and all that stuff that was going to be at, a, at another separate event. But it's not a new thing for us to start a Bathurst. I mean, no. we've really been Thursday onwards for many years, but back in the day, practice started on Wednesday, untimed, didn't it? Yep. Yeah, too right. We, and we used to be there the weekend before, so it was a, at least a whole week of, uh, of sort of preparing and, and setting yourself up and, uh, and just basically getting on track and, and getting the car set up. But originally, the first Bathurst that I ever raced in was in in 1973 with Bob Forbes and we, we actually got there on Saturday morning. At Saturday morning, early Saturday morning, I was at Shell Garage in Orange still welding, welding up the exhaust on it. <laughs> and, uh, and it used to be you'd practice on Saturday, you would sort of kind of uh, have a practice or two practice or whatever it was, then you'd be qualifying and then into the race, mate. That was it. Sunday was a race. So it, it sort of then got blown out because when Ivan Sibart from the ARDC you know, started really um, activating Bathurst as a big event, which it was, and it just got grew, grew and grew with, you know, with television and everything, and, and it got to the point where it expanded to many, many days. It started Wednesday, finished Sunday. Mm, yeah, we're sort of going back to a bit of the... The, the past is coming back a little bit over the yeah, course of, yeah. uh, of what we're going to get up back there. Back the future, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've got this thing where we keep doing this. What's old is new again. It's, um, Never it's, changed, uh, mate, even in fashion, I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, most definitely. Tell me how different, um, obviously, the, the colours are the same, the sponsors are the same. Um, on the Mustangs that are going there this year, of course, um, it's back to Dick Johnson Racing now from the, the amazing period that you had with Roger Penske and yep. Tim Sindrick and those guys and the championships and the bits. For you going to Bathurst this year as a team, is, is there anything different? You've got a, pretty much all the same faces. You've got a couple of new drivers, obviously, there, but it's the same spirit and it's the same heart that that team lives on is, is, is Bathurst is so special. Well, yeah, and I think all the same guys. I mean, we've got the, the same, a very stable bunch of people in our team, and and which even goes to show you that in the, the time that we spent since this COVID thing has sort of been here, it, um, there's not there's not one day that our guys weren't you know uh, fully they, they were never on any any uh, limited pay or time or anything. They were always at work twenty four seven the way they normally are, and. And that's just the nature of our team. We try and look after our guys and, and they really appreciate that because it, it really stems back to where, you know, we were a family team, a sort of family-operated arrangement, and uh, we still keep that environment around us today. Yeah, it's it served you very well over the journey, mate, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you, you're going to Bathurst with Larry Perkins' number this year, though. The number 11, it's been yeah. successful for him. 17's been good for you. Uh, you, you're going with the two Titan numbers up there this year with those two cars of yours. Well, it is, you know, when you sort of look at it, because um, we, we had a bit of a thing with Larry and I asked him, you know, is it okay if we use his number? And he, he was really chuffed because he drove with me back in uh, in 80, well, it was 86, I think it was, or 87, uh, 86. And, uh, and to be quite honest, I think it, it was a good thing to be able to just uh, give him the courtesy of asking him if that's okay. And the reason we went to number 11 is because we asked Anton what 
what number would, would he like to have? And he said, well, the first number or the best number I ever had when I was overseas was number 11. He said, well, we'll see if we can get it. And that's why it turned up like that. Oh, well, it worked out. Well, I think Larry won three with 11 and you won three with 17. So yeah. you got to, you might have to break a deadlock there this well, year, which is yeah. a good problem to have, isn't it? Good yeah, problem to have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, if your team does win Bathurst this year, does the doc Ryan Story get to go out and get the team's trophy? Is he is he is he all up for that straight away, or is there someone else? Do you predetermine those sorts of things before you get there, or is it on a spur of the moment, uh, just before you go out and make a call on who who gets? It's to just do that? a spur of the moment thing, and you know, like it could be anyone, to be quite honest. Um, it, it it's just it's a pretty special thing, really, yeah. to do that and. Uh, there's nobody would deserve it more than Ryan, to be quite honest, in my eyes, because he's uh, he's a guy who's been supporting me for for many many years, even as a kid. But uh, not only that, he's the he's the guy that has turned this place around and made what it is today. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. But wasn't he a kid that rolled up to you at Malalard for an autograph, and then Certainly many did. moons ago he, he started sponsoring your team, and then you know he's just got more and more involved from there. Well, it's this is why I never sort of reject any. Anyone who wants an autograph for the simple reason that um, he got rejected by another driver somewhere along the line, and uh, and that sort of stuck with him ever since. So um, I think it's very important for the drivers to sort of just think a little bit about uh, how they would feel if they got rejected. So tip for all the current drivers, sign every autograph you get asked because you never know, that kid one day down the track might come in handy to know somewhere along the line and... Uh, Get well and truly involved. You never know. The, one, the ones you meet on the way up, you'll probably meet them on the way down, sir. <laughs> hey, what's the uh, – you've signed literally thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of autographs over the years. I've asked this of a few people. What's the strangest thing you've ever signed? I wouldn't go there if I were you. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, well, what's the third strangest thing or fourth strangest thing that's G-rated oh, or PG-rated? Well, there's all sorts of things, mate, that you'd be surprised, you know, People just bring stuff to you that, and and you know, will you sign this? Will you sign this? Like, and I've just lost count of some of the stuff that I've signed, and and yeah, some of it's embarrassing, and I, I never knock it back for the simple reason because if somebody comes to you with some weird request and they they're somewhat intoxicated or something like that, you're better off saying, okay, I'll do that, and then they'll go away and they're happy and they're peaceful. But if you sort of reject them, all of a sudden you've got a fight on your hands. So I just sort of, I'll just do it and sort of get up, get on with it. Are there plenty of people who've come back to you with Dick Johnson autographs that became tattoos? Oh, mate, I've signed, I've signed guys, um, and even in recent times, like very recently, um, just uh, earlier this year, uh, at. at um, one of the last races I was at, and this guy came up and said, you know, can you sign my thing on? I said, yeah, sure, mate. And uh, and I did, and he came back the next morning and he had it tattooed. So, <laughs> and, I, and I've got guys that have got my helmet tattooed on their arm and a face on their back and like crazy. Next level. It's, uh, it's passion personified, isn't it? It's a it whole is. other level. Yeah, it's Brilliant, mate. It's it's what you know. If if that's what makes them happy, good on them. Yeah, 
no, I'm totally with you, mate. mate we can't wait to to get uh, the Supercast back up to Bathurst. We can't wait to see who wins this comp either because the, the 40th anniversary DJ Mustang is up for grabs. It's worth 140,000 Aussie bucks, 180,000 if you're in the Kiwi money across the uh, the other side of the uh, the ditch. Uh, you can enter it by uh, to win it. Get yourself in the draw. Go to the Garage website and join up there. You'll get an entry into things. If you're an Ignition member, you spend 30 bucks, or uh, for every 30 bucks you spend, you'll get an entry into the draw. So jump on uh, online or in-store to uh, to spend some money. Pretty cheap investment to win a pretty cool car worth a pretty cool amount of money. So uh, I reckon for this month of November in 2021, the comp closes on the 30th, so just as we start uh, at Bathurst for the Repco Bathurst 1000. This is a pretty damn good deal all around. This is a pretty awesome bit of kit. Uh, uh, in a word, how do we describe this car? Mate, it's, it's a one-off. It's extremely special. It's uh, got 600 horsepower, like I said, and, uh, and a lot of other stuff that goes with it. It's got special wheels and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's a one-off blue car, and it's the, the colour blue that it is, you'll never see another one the same colour because it's one-off. The cars are one-off. The comps are one-off. You're a one-off. DJ, great to catch up with you and join us on the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco. We hope to see you at the mountain for another uh, big war up there between uh, the Mustangs and the Commodores as they go at it. Mate, I can't wait because my start of my early days in, in uh, as, a, uh, I suppose, an employee, I worked for Repco. So uh, that goes back a long, long way. So to still be here today... And with the same people with Repco and Shell and that, it's just magnificent. And Repco are doing an unbelievable job with uh, with all their stuff they're doing with motor racing. It's fabulous. And I'm proud to say they're part of our team. Mate, great to chat to you and uh, we, we'll catch up with you soon. And hopefully there's one very, very happy winner uh, when this is drawn on the 2nd of December in 2021. But we'll see you soon. Look forward to it, buddy. Cheers. There he is, Dick Johnson, the Bathurst and Australian touring car legend. It was great to catch up with him. It's been a long time since I've seen DJ in person. Computer screens and Zooms and the like, just not the same, but great to catch up with him and hear some stories from the past from the great race and his amazing history with Bathurst. Don't forget, too, uh, the Repco competition that we spoke about during the podcast. If you want to be able to get to the link to that, simply go to uh, our show notes for this episode. That'll link you through to the competition page in the Repco Garage website. So jump on the show notes uh, of uh, this podcast and that will guide you there. Tomorrow, Thursday, Castrol Motorsport News Podcast is back with Andrew Van Leeuwen. Subscribe if you haven't already. Ep2 is coming up this week. And I tell you what, it's been a big week in news. A lot of it away from the track rather than on the track. But the latest in news from motorsport of all sorts, supercars, Formula One, plenty more. Make sure you subscribe to the Castrol and News podcast so you don't miss an episode. Speaking of not missing, uh, the clock's ticking. Can you hear it? Do you know what's coming? Uh Uh-huh. Christmas. It's on the horizon. And that means Christmas presents. And that means coming up with Christmas present ideas for people. That means we're here to help bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au an amazing array of books in our library Um, very few copies left of the Perkins Engineering Car History book it's going really fast it's limited to just 2,500 copies don't miss out we have our Bathurst 90s book about to uh, come in stock as well that's got a photo of every car from every year of the 90s it's a unique piece of Bathurst history 
Subscribe to our newsletter through the V8 Sleuth website so you get alerted to all sorts of news updates and product updates and all sorts of details. And follow us on the socials. Hey, ping us too. Give us uh, messages via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our Contact Us page on the website. We love to hear from our listeners and the fans of all things motorsport and V8 Sleuth. So keep in touch with us as we roll through this very big back end of the year on the road to Bathurst and, of course, the road to Christmas as well. Well, that's it. Dick Johnson, wasn't that great? Love catching up with a legend here on the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco. Don't forget, next Tuesday as well, Repco Supercars Weekly. We'll have the wash-up from this weekend's round of the supercars at Sydney Motorsport Park, the second of four of those. We've got some good chats lined up. Uh, One of my upcoming guests has just written a new book, but he's a guy who's been around broadcasting for a very long time. He's been heavily involved in media, uh, did a little bit of racing himself, and once upon a time, he was hip and shouldered by Kimi Räikkönen. A true story, he tells it. John Smales is going to be on the V8 Sleuth podcast. It is bound to be sensational. We'll chat to you soon. Thanks for listening again. This has been the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Repco. Chat to you next time.